This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that feels it is perennially undervalued but won't be buying back its own shares. Mate, it's hard to say perennial. Perennially? Perennially. Perennially. It's not easy, is it? Especially on a Friday morning. Worth it, though. Dear, oh, dear. Totally worth it. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Today on the podcast, well, earnings season rolls on. It does. Halfway there. Halfway there. Living on a prayer. Maybe. Take my hand and we'll make it. This is a Triple M podcast. This, Come on, dude. help me out here. Well, I can recognize that as Bon Jovi. Hey, that's uh, about as far, there we as, go. as far as I'll go. We're definitely children of the 80s. Man, we had some huge results uh, this week, so we'll, we'll, we'll bring you up to speed with the, the latest. Indeed. Uh, we're also going to open the mailbag again. Uh, we got a question on buybacks. In, in fact, specifically, shares, share buybacks that occur while the CEO is selling. What does that mean? We sort of have a closer look at that. Not pretty. And uh, Scott's going to get on his high horse. <laughs> and rant uh, about something. I now, don't know. Andrew, before we do, okay. today is August 18, mm-hmm. and it is Vietnam Veterans Remembrance Day. Oh, yeah, nice one. Uh, whether members are listening or listeners are listening to this on Friday or maybe on Saturday. So if you're listening to it on Saturday, this is yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just want to uh, pay our respects to Vietnam veterans, um, those who have fallen, those who have returned. So welcome home. Thank you. And lest we forget. Yes, thank you very much indeed. Mate, um, uh, there is way too many companies to cover. Uh, so we're going to have to go off the big ones. And I don't yep. think it's possible to do a section like this without mentioning... <laughs> Here comes the big T. Telstra. That's the one. Um, I think it is uh, unequivocally the widest held stock amongst retail investors. Pretty sure um, that's true. And even if you don't hold it directly, you've almost virtually guaranteed to have it through your super fund. One million Australians, they reckon, yeah. are now about 10% poorer. Yeah. And that that was the thing. Share, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. The, the company reported its full year results. It was a 33% drop in profit. Oh. However, oh. however, we have to say that was because of the sale of Auto Home last year. Now, they right, got right. $2 billion odd dollars okay. in cash for that. So one-off profit in 2016. You can't replicate that by definition. The business is no longer there. They got cash for it instead. On right. a, on a, on a uh, continuing operations basis, net profit was up about 1.1%. On a per share basis, it was even a little bit better. So, so shares should have been roughly flat. So you would think so. However, the oh, dividend was the same, right? Yeah, they maintain. Okay, the, yeah, they good, ma- good. They yep. maintain the dividend. Excellent. So we're all okay so far. But for now, on page uh, three of the press release, uh, different story. So <laughs> uh, let's a bit of history here. Uh, back in November, the company said it was looking at a uh, capital um, uh, uh, management strategy, a capital management review. Basically, what are we going to do with all of our money here? We're getting all these one-off payments from the MBN. That's going to end at some point. We've got so much money. What can we possibly do with it all? We need to balance off the needs to you know, make sure shareholders get that dividend that many people sort of depend on, but also we need to invest for the future. So there was always a possibility of a cut. It had been talked uh, a lot about, but the cut that came through, I think was a lot larger, certainly than what I was expecting. Yep. And I think fair to say probably what most of the market was expecting, given what the share price <laughs> exactly. did. Uh, they you have to worry wonder about that one. They cut it to 22 cents. So yep. going forward, what they're going to do is they're going to pay between 70 and 90% of underlying recurring sort of um, uh, profits. Yep. And then they're going to pay up to 75% of these one-off NBN payments. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the end, end up there is basically the dividend is going to be 30% lower next year. Shares got decimated um, down by about 10%, lowest that they've been in a long, long, long time. Uh, I have to say, full disclosure, this was a recommendation of mine. I think it was... Um, well, when the shares are about 22% higher, put, to put that in perspective. Mm. So it has not gone well for us at all. A recommendation of ours too at Share Advisor, and we've, uh, we're, we're, I think we're either just above or just below the, the, the cost base, but certainly not a great performance. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's 
there's no way to sugarcoat it, is it? Now, listeners are probably wondering why the dividend was cut. Well, why, why did Telstra feel the need to cut the dividend from 31 to 22 cents, Andrew? Well, here's the thing. They were basically paying out all, every last one of, 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 the, of mm. the profit that they earn each and every year. Every last buck, yeah. And that's, that's okay if there is no <laughs> other use for your cash. Now, the trouble is, as we all know, this is a very rapidly changing industry. The competition here is increasing. Telstra has lost its, a, lot, it's a big deal of its competitive advantage with the, with yeah. the NBN. Yep. Um, NBN charges are now expected to be a bit higher than what they thought. So basically, it, what, it, what it means is that they just they were either going to not be able to invest for the future or they would have had to take on a whole bunch of extra debt. And the whole thing just wasn't sustainable. Right. So they've basically acted to do this, to put things on a, a firmer footing. They are planning to invest around $15 billion over the next three years or so to improve their networks. I think that's all a good thing for the long term. But man, it was a bigger cut than I was expecting, and it has caused quite a bit of pain for the share price. Yeah, same for me. Sustainability, the right word you use, Ben Andrew. Now, mate, if we keep spending this long in every company, oh, sorry, we're going to be here for I, an hour and a half. Sorry, you're no, right. no, no, okay. no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, let's try and whip through the rest in a relatively quick fashion. Can I just ask at the end where each one? I'll just give you a quick thoughts. Is it a buy for you though now, despite what's happened? At the current price, yes. Still yielding more than five and a half percent. Still a buy for me. Yeah, same for me. Um, okay, Domino's. Now here's another very interesting one. Shares were absolutely smashed. They are down at around forty-three dollars as. We we speak. Jeez. This was at $80 last year. One of the real standout performers. In fact, despite that fall, it's still a pretty, one of the better performers on the market over the last 10 years. But this is, uh, now this isn't like Telstra where they've come out and slashed the dividend. Their profit grew 28%. Yep. Uh, earnings per share was up 20%, uh, has, been, has been growing at 26% per year on average over the last decade. But the market had expected a little bit more. In fact, they had the company itself had guided for a little bit more. Correct. And that's really what happened there. The, the market expected more, the company expected more. And the next year number was significantly lower again than this year. Um, investors looking at those going, uh, one plus one, maybe it doesn't equal two. Maybe, just maybe we should run away. Mm. Um, this was trading on a P of, I want to say 40 odd times. Something so, insane. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that does lead to some, some some nerves among investors. I did feel a little bit vindicated. It was one of those ones that I remember looking at it, you know, at 60 and thinking, ah, oh, too expensive. And that went to 70, definitely too expensive. And then 80, it's like, geez, how wrong can you be? <laughs> but I guess it's, it's, it's a reminder that, you know, things can go on um Insanity can go on longer than you think is possible. And I, I think what's happened since really justifies the fact that the market was just baking in growth that was just, I think, unrealistic. Or um, maybe that does get the growth in today's buying opportunity. Oh, see, that's the thing. So with Domino's, um, they're, they're very mature in the Australian market. They've destroyed all their rivals. They absolutely own that space. There's still growth to be had there, but certainly not the same kind of growth that they've they've had historically, but they get a very significant proportion of their money from Japan and also from Europe. And there's mm -hmm. much longer growth the runways right? there. So I think this is potentially starting to look very interesting. Uh, is it a buy for you at the in this moment? Mm, not quite yet, but I'm doing a bit more work on it. Yeah, Shares I, stay at this sort of price. It'll get pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much needing to, uh, to have a closer look at that. Here's another interesting one, Mr. Phillips. Yes, sir. JB Hi-Fi. JB Hi-Fi. Now, you can't talk about JB Hi-Fi these days without talking about Amazon, and we're certainly um, mm -hmm. guilty of that. Um, let, me, let me give you some numbers here. Hit me. Sales up 42%. Boom. Net profit up 36%. Boom. Now, can I remind you, obviously, Amazon has not yet arrived. <laughs> no. But there At least is, not physically. Not physically. Yes. Um, but there has been no shortage of talk from all the other retailers out there about how tough re retail conditions are. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, we've seen that from a bunch of other oh, companies. And, Excuse me. And, <laughs> and not only were these results, I didn't write down the number here, but not only these results were spectacular, but on a same-store basis, mm -hmm. Sales were up. So this was 8.8%. I think it was store. up in that vicinity, yeah. up the single digits. And, and this, so 
it'd be one thing if they just opened up a bunch of new stores and that sort of helped improve things. But yep. this, this was organic growth, the best kind of growth. And um, it's just absolutely spectacular. Has the market got this one wrong, mate? Uh, I think maybe. Mm. Um, the July numbers were much softer than the last year, so the market yes. a bit spooked by that. Yep. And the question still remains, no matter how good the past is, is the future going to look as bright when Amazon turns up? I'm, I, I have a very significant belief that Amazon might well take away the, the business. We might well yet see... Um, it won't take the business away entirely, but I wouldn't at all be surprised to see this be somewhere around the peak of JB's earnings power over time. Yeah, I think that's that's the worry. And it seems as though even though the market uh, saw those numbers, we're still seeing a business here trading on a, a price earnings multiple of 13. Uh, as long as that E is sustainable. As long as, yes, yes, definitely. Uh, let's move on. A couple of the big guys, a couple of the Cs. Well, now these are also very interesting. CSL, um, yes. I'd argue one of the, the best companies on the market. Its net profit was up 24%. Now, again, let me just take a step back here. This is not a small growth stock. This is one of the largest companies on the ASX that has been around forever and a day. The global leader in blood plasma and vaccination products. Absolute giant. And it is still growing its profits at 24% per year. That's on a constant currency basis. Market wasn't impressed. Shares down 4%. Is this just a case of great business, just, you know, too much baked into the price? The problem is this is the P is just incredibly, incredibly high and crazy. Look, I think we've probably talked about CSL before. I simply can't... we talk, you know, Peter Lynch talks about not investing in anything you kind of can't illustrate with a crayon. Yep. Warren Buffett talks about circle of competence. Yep. I defy anybody to say in five years' time what products CSL will have invented, made, developed that'll that'll lead to this growth. This is this is absolutely new product growth, mm. which is great because it means more people are more healthy right around the world. That's spectacular. Yeah. I have no ability whatsoever to tell you what products it will be making in five years' time, whether that's more or less or the same as this year. So it's done spectacularly well. I just can't get close enough well, to it. Well, I might take a slightly different bent on that. I, I think given their market dominance, their industry expertise, the fact that they've got you know these, this wonderful competitive advantage of all these blood collection centers, everything, basically blood comes into this, this big factory and a billion different products come out. And the number of products that come out each year get more, more sophisticated. Um, and they've got wonderful pricing power. They've got all the distribution and relationships and approvals and all of that kind of stuff. So you're yes. right. It's a question of degree, I suppose. Um, but I'm I'm with you on the fact that there is so much baked into this that there's no question that these are great results. There's no question, I think, that the future remains very bright for this business, but it is in the price and then some. I think the problem is how bright, right? So mm. in five years' time, we'll be going at 5% a year, 10% a year, 15% a year. There's right. just literally no way to know. Mm. You, you, can, you can intelligently speculate as to how big it might possibly yeah. be. Yep. But it, it might just be. So the, the pharmaceutical companies in the 80s and 90s were going gangbusters. Mm. But all of a sudden, they ran out of new drugs. They literally have, there hasn't been a blockbuster drug since the big cholesterol-lowering drugs of the, I want to say, early 90s. Mm. And so as those things roll off patent, there's nothing to replace them because they literally, they've just come up with nothing new. Now, is CSL, in, is CSL the, the drug company of the 80s mm. or is CSL the drug company of the 2017s? Yeah. I just don't know. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone for doing it, for buying those shares. I just, I can't possibly find a basis for evaluation. Which is what the problem is. It gets to a point where they actually need to do all of this kind of stuff just to just to validate the current price. And if they don't, then right. there's a long way to fall. Similar things could, I reckon, you said for Cochlear, another company I'd say is, is you know, really in the top five of, of, of ASX companies out there. 18% jump in net profit. Again, been around forever and a day. Yeah. Price earnings multiple of 38. Uh, you know, uh, Everything is nice, except again, that price. Man, this is such a high quality company. I, I really, really like Cochlear. And what I like about it is it develops 
Uh, so it, it does great things for humanity, which is nice. Yep. Developing cochlear implants mostly, and that's its largest piece of business. Mm. The good thing about it, though, is they continue then to sell software upgrades and new accessories that go with those implants. So, I'm just going to switch to a different product. Mate. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> well, I'm just going to get my head cut open and, and put a different implant in. Correct. Like, and, that, and, that's, that, right? and that's the beauty of the business, right? So not only is it doing wonderful things, it is the market leader with 70% market share. But right now, so A, it's going to make money from those people for, effectively for the rest of their lives. Yep. And B, while it's 70% market share, Cochlear reckons the market's only about 5% penetrated. Yeah. So if they're able, and this is, this is you know, I'm not saying they get it to 100%, but let's say they get to 10 or 20 or 30%. They're, they're multiples of today's level of sales, probably multiples of today's profit. It's just a, one of the highest class businesses and in with the And with their size and scale, they are also able to commit so much more to R&D than other companies are, yes, which correct. means that if they're smart, which I think they are, they should be able to stay ahead of the curve. So whatever technologies emerge, they should be at the forefront of that. Correct, and correct. Uh, that doesn't mean they will. Someone could come up with something in their garage tomorrow, um, but uh, odds are. Or frankly, gene, gene technology, gene therapy could make a difference. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, geez, mate. I think we better call. We, we, there was a bunch of other companies we we're going to talk about it. I'll but, finish um, you by talk, saying I think cochlear. Too long here, so. Yeah, I have. I will say I will finish by saying I think cochlear is a buy. I, think, I, I like it. I think Ooh, it's a decent price. Okay. I would buy it at today's price. I'm a little bit fussier. I, I'd, I'd like a lower price. You don't frankly. like you don't like profits. I don't like PEs of thirty eight. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a lazy, lazy buck on it, and in a year's time we'll come back. Okay. I know you can be a buck, or I'll give you a buck. All right. That? That's on. It's on. Last of the big don't like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Okay, mate. Um, we got a mailbag. Tweet. Was it a tweet? It was a tweet. Um, let me open it up. Mailbag here. used to be mail, you know. Maybe it, occasional facts. Back, yeah, get, get with the times, mate. LinkedIn messages and Oh, this is from John. Instagram G'day, John. Yeah, um, uh, thanks for thanks for writing in. He, he said, uh, an explainer perhaps, guys. These companies bought back shares while their CEOs were dumping them. And he's uh, linked to an article in marketwatch.com, which sort of lists some of these big US companies, <laughs> Pepsi and others. They're doing share on-market share, on share buybacks. And their CEOs are dumping shares. That <laughs> seems a bit fishy, doesn't Robbie it? Robbie Peter to pay Paul, buying with one hand and Yeah, it's a bit, it seems dodgy. It's a funny story, isn't it? You'd think a, a CEO who was, in theory, the titular head of the company saying, I think these shares are so cheap, we should buy them back. And at the same time saying, these shares are so expensive, I'm going to sell them. Right. That's a hard circle to square. There, there, are a couple of, there are a couple of things you could possibly draw. If, let, let's, let's, for a second, assume these people are reputable and uh, upstanding citizens okay. who are doing only the right things. Benefit of the doubt, yep. Well, for the sake of the exercise. Um, and and the, it goes back to the old the old saw that directors sell for many reasons but only buy for one. Yeah. And yeah. so why would why would if you're a CEO why would you sell? Well, you sell because you think your company's crap. Yep. Or your shares are overpriced. Yep. You might also sell because you're getting divorced, because you're putting a pool in the house, because you're buying a new house. If you're Marcus Blackmore, you sell because you want to buy a yacht, buy a yacht. and then you release an ASX announcement saying I want to buy a yacht. And and, <laughs> With and that's full what, credit to him. You know though, what right? you know what I love about that? A was honest. B that was at thirty something bucks. Well, that oh, that was the next point. The shares right? have tripled since then, right? So well, they got to two hundred after then, and then they came back. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, people say, oh, Marcus is selling because of X. X was literally that he wanted a boat. If yeah. he'd known better and he, he would have held on to 200 bucks and sold it, he would have had to sell one-sixth the number of shares at, at 200 bucks. And I need to – I think we all need to empathize as well. It's different um, when you're on the other side of the fence. Now, let's say, say for an example, that you're a high-powered, um, high-paid CEO. Hypothetically. And um, you're getting you – know, you've got the bulk of your, your wealth invested into one company. Mm. You love this company. You're here for the long term. But one, it's just like, geez, I've got quite a bit of cash here that I might like to have a bit of fun with. Two, I oh, am yep. concentrated as all buggery here. So it would be, you could argue that it is purely prudent financial management mm. to sell some of that and diversify it into other assets, no mm. matter how wonderful the company is. I don't think anyone would suggest putting 90% of your wealth in, into one company. Yep. 
Um, uh, so I think they're all perfectly plausible reasons. Mm. Um, however, experience would, would sort of show you that generally speaking, mm. um, when you see a CEO dumping shares, it's not usually a good sign, right? Yeah, I think that's true. I, uh, well... Yeah, they know more it's, about it's, the company. It's, than it's never a great sign. Put it that way. It's yeah. very, you'd very rarely go. They're selling. I should buy. Yeah. At best, you'll say they're selling. Maybe I should be a bit careful. Or like Marcus Blackmore, they're selling, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the key thing here is that you you just want to be a little, whenever that happens, there is some cognitive dissonance for the right reasons, which is to say, if you're saying on one hand you don't like the value of the shares for yourself, but you like them for the company, yeah. you got to be a little bit careful. Yeah. I want to, I want to spend just one minute, Andrew, because we're already running short of time. Stock buybacks. Why would you buy back some shares? Uh, well, um, we know the, the deleterious effects of deleterious di- effects. Do you like that? I do. Um, I actually got it out too, uh, without stumbling on my words, <laughs> uh, the, 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 deleterious effects of Tried share, it twice, sh- <laughs> pushing my life exactly. <laughs> of, of, of dilution, right? Yes. So there's a pizza and you cut it up into more and more and more slices. Each yes. one of those slices is less, uh, Fulfilling. <laughs> um, Correct. Now, uh, when shares companies do share buybacks, it's mm. the it's the situation reverse. The company is the company is the company. Yep. But that value is represented by fewer and fewer shares. Ergo, each share is worth more money. Yeah. Easiest example here is let's say you got a pizza and there's three pieces of the pizza. Yep. You buy back one of the slices and divide that slice among everybody else. Yep. You go from only a third of the pizza yep. to only half the pizza. So from from three slices to two, you effectively give back that third slice to the current owners. The earnings on a per share basis will have increased. Indeed. And and that's what you do. It is a way, the way companies usually phrase it is that we are returning cash to shareholders. Oh, yes, in an indirect way. I guess you're returning cash to those that elect to participate in mm. the buyout. Everyone else doesn't get it. But what is left over at the end of the day is, is in theory, much more valid. Now, I've got to tell you, mate, um, we don't see them as much as they do in the US. Yeah. Uh, that's because of our tax policy here. We've got it's, uh, dividends tend to be a much more effective way to return cash to, to investors. <laughs> and quite frankly, much more popular. Why would title a CEO who says, you can't have your franking credits, I'm going to buy back shares instead. Yeah. There'll be a riot. So you, you've got to pay dividends to distribute those Pitchforks franking credits. So we don't see them as often uh, as, as they do in the US. Why do you announce the earnings season, though, I have to say? Well, they, you know what? And I am, gen- I am in principle a fan um, of them. But there is one very, 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 very important caveat here now um a, a share we, we talk a lot about value and you know you yeah. can you can do badly in a, in a great company if you pay too much for it well it goes the same with buybacks so if right. a company is ridiculously overvalued or even you know and, and a company is buying back shares it is blowing up shareholder value quite yeah. frankly um if on the other hand so the maths oh god how do we get it would very simply if you're buying back shares at less than their true value yep. you are adding value to uh to, to remaining investors correct, correct. if you're paying too silly a price you are hurting shareholders let's go back to our pizza right let's say the whole pizza is worth 20 bucks let's say it's 21 because it makes my math easier yep. if you've got three slices there worth seven bucks each right yep. the pizza costs 20 the, the pizza is worth 21 bucks let's assume that you buy it from a reputable pizza place you're happy to pay 21 bucks for the pizza mm-hmm. three slices seven bucks each job mm-hmm. done okay if you say to someone, I'll buy that slice back from you for $9, yeah. you say, well, hang on, I could go buy another pizza for $7 a slice. Why would I pay $9 for that particular slice? Yeah. If you as a company and you were the, as the pizza holders bought back that slice for 9 bucks, you're costing yourself money. Yeah, doesn't if make you sense. buy back that slice though for $5, oh, when you know that it's worth $7, yes. you're getting a bargain. And in fact, the people who are buying that back and getting their extra half a slice from the two they've already got, they actually end up creating value because you're giving them something they get effectively more 
than what it's actually worth because yep. they're buying it less than what we would say is the intrinsic value. All right. Let's draw a line under this. So long story short, yes, not a good sign when shareholders, uh, uh, when CEOs are selling, especially when the company is buying it back. Yes. Although there will be certain personal circumstances which makes that uh, perfectly reasonable. I guess what we'd look out for there is a pattern of consistent selling down would, would, would be a bit of a red flag. Um, and, um, and, and just more broadly, buybacks, a good idea as long as the company is getting a good price for its shares. Now, Andrew, as we said, we love mailbag. You can get to us on Twitter. That's probably the easiest way to get to us, quite frankly, because we're lazy people. I've got a bit of a hard time for not uh, tweeting enough throughout the week, which I, I, do, in, I do intend to rectify. From me? Uh, I think, yeah, someone else tweeted. is like, tell Andrew to tweet <laughs> oh, more. Oh, yes, you did, actually. You're exactly right. <laughs> I've you got, I just, yeah. So, at the Motley Fool AU, that's all one word, at the Motley Fool AU, or I'm at TMF Scott P. So, Scott Phillips, TMF the Motley Fool, Scott P. And Andrew is at Sage underscore Simeon. Rami, you get what that is? I don't know. I thought it was cool when I set up Twitter, and now it's just confusing and, and strange. Or if you if you are one of those people who prefer email, you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at fool.com.au. Please do. We love hearing from you. And frankly, your content is much better than our content. So if you've got a question, thought, idea, criticism, something else, throw it at us, and we will measure it and do it on the podcast. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. My favorite section. Here we go. <laughs> it's the high horse. Hi ho, silver. <laughs> Hooray. What are you going to rent? I'm going in your to ivory rant. tower. What I'm going to. What are you going to. Ivory... What do you mean, ivory tower? I'm a man of the people, Andrew Page. I'll have you know. <laughs> Tell us, Mr. People. I'm a, I'm, a man... <laughs> I'm a man of the people. This is a... speaking of the people. Okay. Speaking of the crazy, mad, totally bizarre people. That often make up our stock market. I'm going to rant on investor expectations because okay. it comes straight from what we talked about at the very top of the podcast, right. which is those company earnings. Mm-hmm. You know, JB Hi-Fi, great results, shares crash. Domino's, great results, shares crash. Um, other companies, quite frankly, terrible results, shares jump. <laughs> um, QBE, share, you know, profit up 30%, shares flat. And you kind of got to go, what the hell is going on? And the answer is, and this is probably a two-part rant, frankly. I've talked about CEO guidance before. This is the second part of that, right? right? And this is this is investors who are just madly overreacting. I read a tweet only this morning that said markets exaggerate. That's what they do. And that's exactly right. And so, you know, I'm not blaming every single investor out there. But frankly, when you see REA Group, realestate.com, right? Mm. Released results last week. Yeah. At the first, When the market first opened, it was down 12%. They finished down 4%. Mm. You could have made 8% on that day just from buying from the knuckleheads who Easy sold money. at the opening of the market because they panicked okay. and then sold them back later in the day. It's, yeah. it, it's just nothing. It was just day trading, by the way. But it's just absolute madness. There is no point whatsoever in having this short-term expectation of what a six-month result would be mm. and then buying or selling on the numbers. If Domino's is worth something, if you're taking that much risk, that one result could literally change your view of the value by 20%. Yeah. You're mad. Either you either you held the shares too long before mm-hmm. or you sell them too quickly now, but it can't be both. Mm. And the only person who can who can you know, impact that is you as an investor. Yeah. If you're holding to 80 bucks and you think it's worth 80 bucks, then keep holding if it's 40. And if it's never worth 80 bucks, what the hell are you doing holding at 80 bucks other than riding the wave and saying, oh, everything's great. Maybe everything will keep being great. This, this you know, irrational optimism and pessimism, this exuberance and and you know, complete just giving up and walking away stuff. It's just madness. And this is where, frankly, let's get the headlines. It gets the X bin dollars wiped off the market or so-and-so jumped this percent. Mm. Investors have got to just ignore the crap that goes on with that stuff. Yeah. Settle right back to how much do I think this company is worth? And if the market hates it, buy more. 
Yeah. If the market loves it, sell some if they're overpriced. Mm. But don't, for the love of God, jump into the whipsaw effect of trying to jump when everyone else sells and you try and sell. When everyone else buys, you try and buy. It never works. It's, it yeah. never <sighs> works. Having said all of that, mate, crazy. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's crazy. Good. But thank, thank the Lord that that, is, that that is the way it is, right? I mean, could you, frankly, we wouldn't have a job or a vocation <laughs> if, if there was, if the market was always perfectly rational and things just tracked along um, nicely. We, we, to the, some, the, to fact, some the fact degree, that companies can have these huge plummets yeah. in value yeah. on news that really doesn't change the long-term earnings power, I think is just a gift from heaven. You know, that's true. But I, you know what I, you know what I would say? I think we, 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 we tend to focus on that stuff, right? We tend to think that as investors, we can get great bargains when the market sells them off and we can make a squillion dollars when the market bids our shares up ridiculously. Yeah. Those are true statements, absolutely. But there are very, very few people, including us, who are going to buy REO when it falls 12% in the, on that morning. Uh, it's, very, it's, very few of us are going to react. It's definitely easier minutes. said than done. Yes. And so you yeah. know, and then, then the other thing is our... as well, you'll do it, and then it'll fall another ten percent, and then it'll stay there for two years. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and you so might that's... get a great return over a ten year, but it's a, it's a rough ride. So that, that's that's. I honestly think the better gains aren't so much the pure irrationality piece that we take advantage of. You know, people say the markets are truly rational, or or, or aren't in this case. Mm. Or they're efficient. I think most of our profits actually come from the inefficiencies of the market, yes. not necessarily the irrationalities of the market. Now, buying during the GFC was a Monty, mm. so you could have made some money buying then. But frankly, most of us didn't have millions of dollars stored up waiting for the next crash. And if we had been, it would have been a 15, 16-year wait while we waited for it. Mm. And frankly, the market didn't fall far enough. The market only fell to levels of about two years earlier, right? Mm. So you only, you've, only, you've only saved two years worth of gains by doing that. Yeah. More often than not, the big gains I've had, the big winners I've had, have been buying companies that the market underappreciated, yeah. not freaked out about. Yes. So yeah. likes of corporate travel management, which is a 10-bagger for us, which is pretty cool. I'm happy with that. It wasn't the fact the market hated it at any particular point. It just didn't give it enough credit. Mm. And so I think sometimes it's finding the great companies the market's underappreciating rather than the ones that necessarily freaking out about that are where the biggest gains are because the biggest gains come from long-term outperformance growth-wise, mm. not just trying to take advantage of markets throwing toys out of the cot. So let's say a nod in this. What you're saying is people shouldn't shouldn't be obsessing over what's going to happen next quarter, next half, next full year. They should be taking a longer term view and um, a less specific one, perhaps, in terms of what profit expectations Decide are. what you think the company is worth based on what it can grow at over the very long term yep. and buy and sell on that basis. Ignore what the market tells you it's worth because it's having a bad day or a great day. That's a terrible way to invest. Nah, nice one, mate. I like it. Look, that does <sighs> I, feel, rap- I feel better now. Are you purged? Yeah, yeah, this is better than therapy, mate. Cathartic experience. This is better than therapy. I'll have to start paying you. <laughs> God. If you're my therapist, mate, we've both got problems just quietly. Seriously. <laughs> I love you like a brother, but I'm not, not going to start taking, <laughs> taking advice from you. Even I would uh, <laughs> recommend against that, mate. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Mr. Phillips. It's thank been you my too pleasure and yours. For, for our listeners. Um, uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast. Uh, and, and you should. And uh, as we always say, give us a nice big fat five-star rating. And uh, until next week, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.